Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, welcome inside the Gen Jag podcast. Jordan DeLugo and UCF Jaguar here with you for a week one edition of the show. Didn't have the intro today. We're running into some technical difficulties with our podcast recording app, but that's all good. We've been able to outfox our computers here and um we've got a week one edition of the show for you that's right football season is finally here we'll be answering some fan questions predicting the jaguars record week by week and of course previewing the week one matchup with the chiefs how are we doing today dalton i'm awesome man preseason is finally over it was just one of the worst preseasons i can ever remember the jaguars having uh, but once the week one gets to you, you kind of forget all about it. And, um, you know, once a few months goes by, you can't even remember who you even face in a preseason. That's true. It's like it matters so much at the time, seemingly. And it does matter for all the players trying to make the roster. But we obviously overanalyze it because that's all we have to do at the time. But you're right. A month We're down done. the road, we won't even be thinking about who the Jaguars played in the preseason and how that went down. And now we got 16 games of Jaguars regular season football. Hopefully we can go about four, three or four games beyond that. But uh, I'm, I'm just so hyped, man. It's, it's the best time of year, that's for sure. That's right. Week one of the football season. Jaguars obviously take on the Chiefs Sunday at 1 p.m. in Duval County. Going to be an exciting game to be sure. Uh, the Packers and Bears kick things off tomorrow night. Or if you're listening to this Thursday – tonight um so that's going to be an exciting matchup too obviously a lot of fantasy implications there not enough fantasy implications for me i got david montgomery on my team i'm just a little bit scared with what his workload is going to be like because remember last year i kind of overdrafted royce freeman and then philip Lindsay gets the carry so i don't know you know with this if they're going to be you know giving the ball more to Tariq cohen or how, what David Montgomery's role is going to be like in the offense, but I, th- I think I'm going to stick with Marlon Mack the first week on my teams. I'm rolling with David Montgomery in my league of record for sure. I feel good about him against the Packers. I think he's going to have the workload. Obviously, you don't know till you see it, but I, I feel pretty good about him. But uh, shout out to our sponsors, Bold City Brewery. You can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And, of course, check out their tap room in Riverside on Roselle and their downtown tap room on East Bay Street. We'd also like to send a quick invite out to everyone to our tailgate this Sunday. 9 a.m. we'll be in Tailgaters Parking, Row A. We'll have free chicken biscuits from Metro Diner. Beverages from Car, Vodka, Bold City Brewery, Green Room, and Briggs Tap House. All free for Jag members. You can sign up to be a member at ginjag.com membership. Find out some more information there. We've got a lot to get into, so let's go ahead and do it. We uh, got a lot of fan questions for this episode. We're going to go ahead and answer two of them. And the first one is from Chris Williams. He asks, how does the Jaguars defense contain Travis Kelsey? Do you want to take the first crack at this one? Um, Yeah, with Travis Kelsey, I mean, it's tough because obviously we've already heard that Jalen Rames is going to be kind of shadowing um, shadowing Tyreek Hill, it sounds like. But, you know, with Travis Kelsey, he lines up all over the place, whether it be uh, off of the, you know, right side of the, of the tackle or whether it be, uh, you know, over in the slot. So, I mean, he's going to have a few different guys on him. I mean, if he's lined up as an inline guy, I would definitely try to chip him and, you know, get him off his, get him off his routes a little bit. Um, and, I mean, really with our guys, I mean, Miles Jack is a really good cover player. So I'm not all too worried about him, but you also have, uh, DJ Hayden, who's also who also had a pretty good year last year. We'll see with Quincy Williams. I mean, Quincy Williams is uh, pretty unknown to me. But um, really with Travis Kelsey, man, I wouldn't worry too much about shadowing him. But I'd definitely be, you know, keeping a big eye on him and kind of shifting some of our guys toward him. But, you know, definitely the main thing, if he's lined up on the, you know, 
on inline blocking or whatever, I'd definitely be trying to chip him to uh, break off his, you know, routes. Yeah, I feel you there for sure. And for me, it's about throwing your different athletes on the defensive side of the ball. I am. I think you're going to see Quincy, Miles, Ronnie Harrison, DJ Hayden, and Jared Wilson all kind of uh, taking their shots at Travis Kelsey. And I think that the key really is to do your best to not let Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey just pick on one guy. You know, dictate who it's going to be on him, who you feel best about him, covering him as the game goes on. And I think that's going to be vital. Yeah, I think the I think the Jaguars are going to show a lot of looks this game, just because. I mean, you we brought in Dom Capers this off season, and at first I was like, oh, it's just you know we got another Monty Kiffin in the building. But then you know he, our defense, you know, we're starting to pl- have a lot of three four principles, and I don't know if law that was brought on just because of you know the acquisition of Josh Allen and trying to you know potentially use one of your strongest assets of your defense. Um, to kind of fit a scheme toward him. But um, I would expect a lot of different looks, and I would, I would expect, you know, like you said, several different players to actually be covering, um, covering Travis Kelsey this game. Yeah. Now our second fan question from, I believe it's 904 Young Husk on Instagram. Not sure what that, uh, what that handle's all about, but his question, we appreciate it. Will the offensive line get the job done? I'm going to go ahead and say yes. The Jaguars' O-line was fairly effective in 2017 when it was healthy. They've obviously got to slow down Chris Jones and Frank Clark, uh, but with Brandon Linder helping out against Chris Jones on the inside, I think they'll be able to control the interior, and I think Jawan Taylor and Cam Robinson will be able to hold their own on the edge, especially with guys like Jeff Swaim, James O'Shaughnessy, uh, kind of chipping in there at tight end and helping out with the edge rushers. Yeah, and honestly, the last year, the main part of the offensive line that was dominated was the rights of the offensive line. Jeremy Parnell was just too slow for D Ford. Um, and now both of those guys weren't in on, on their teams anymore. And, you know, AJ Can was getting worked by Chris Jones all game. So um, I, I don't – it's still up in the air on who's going to be starting at the right guard spot. And I think – I don't know if they're probably going to go with AJ Candace because if they go with Will Richardson, then that would be two guys on your right side of your offensive line that have never played a single NFL snap. And especially when you're going against, um, you know, the, the recently acquired guy, Frank Clark, and, you know, Chris Jones went off on the Jaguars last year. But, I mean, I, I would I think that they're pretty top-heavy on the, you know, on the Chiefs, Chiefs def- or defensive line. And I, I think there's a situation where we're going to have to – I think we're going to have to pat, attack really the, you know, defensive backs. And I think, you know, trying to keep the defense on the field a lot, and then that's when we're going to have to be, you know, have the defensive lines, you know, hands on their hips and kind of attack them and smash, smash them in the mouth with our run game. So, I mean, I, I think I think the offensive line will take care of business. Yeah, I do too. Obviously, Chris Jones can be a handful. So can Frank Clark. I do think it'll play into the Jaguars' advantage that – This is a completely new system with a new defensive coordinator, which, of course, I think down the road they have a chance at being a good defense, solid defense. I just don't know if it's going to happen week one. Uh, Now, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. If we're not on there, let us know and we'll get on there. We really appreciate if you leave us a review on iTunes as well. Always helps out the show. Uh, before we get hot and heavy into our Jaguars Chiefs preview, want to ask you, what is your biggest surprise cut and who's your favorite newcomer from after the uh, 53-man cutdowns? Well, I actually got I, – I got, I got a few different surprise cuts. I mean, I thought Matt Overton cutting the long snapper was a little bit weird um, just because I don't – you know, I mean, I'm not in there saying, oh, that snap was a little bit too high or uh, whatever, so that was kind of weird. Um, Andrew Wingard over C.J. Revis was a little bit strange to me. Um, the Jaguars only kept two running backs from our offseason, you know, the training camp program on a roster, and that was Leonard Fournette and Reichel Armstead. They got rid of the rest of the guys that they had and brought in some uh, new faces at that spot. Dayton Jones I thought had a really good preseason, and I was pretty disappointed to see him go. And 
I'm not necessarily surprised about this, but, you know, Alex Magoo got cut, and I think a lot, like, far too often the Jaguars, like, you know, they always say, oh, we don't care about where you're drafted. We just care about how you do on the field. I don't know if that's really the Jaguars' true philosophy because it feels like they like to hang around to their – they like to hang on to their draft picks. And, you know, Magoo – uh, I just thought he was exciting, man. I loved him in the RPO system. I thought he had a little bit of swagger to him. And Gardner Minshew just didn't bring us anything. And, you know, just to see him go and we can't even sign to our practice squad because I think he went over to uh, – I think he went to the Texans. And it's just – He did. Yeah. And the, those those are just some of, some of my things. And even with Magoo, like, you know, you see what some of these other teams are doing. Like, you know, Taysom Hill with the – with the – um, you know, with the Saints and you have – it looks like you're going to have Trace McSorley with the Ravens and then, you know, even Webb over there with the Texans. Maybe we could have, like, tried them out at special teams and kind of kept them as the next quarterback there. I, I don't know. I just – it was just a little bit disappointing to me. Yeah, it is disappointing to me as well, although I was convinced that they weren't going to keep him, so I wasn't getting my hopes up anyways. But I would have definitely tried to keep him if I was sitting in Tom Coughlin or Dave Caldwell's shoes for sure. Now, for me, the biggest surprise is that they cut Josh Wells and Leonard Wester. I thought for sure they would keep one of those two guys. Now they're extremely uh, lacking in terms of offensive tackle depth. They're really only backup tackle, full-time tackle, is Cedric Abwehi. And, of course, he's dealing with a hamstring injury right now. So they're very thin at offensive tackle. I don't really think Josh Wells or Leonard Wester earned a spot on the roster per se, but I'm just surprised that they didn't at least replace those guys or keep one of them. Yeah, I mean, we should have cut all our damn back of offensive line after this preseason we had, but I digress. <laughs> so, yeah, and then my addition I'm most excited about happened uh, Monday, I believe. Divina Zigbo, rookie running back from – Nebraska. He's a guy that I thought should have been drafted. He got, he went undrafted though. It was a really deep running back class. But this is a kid in 2018 as a, a senior at Nebraska. He averaged over seven yards a carry. It takes a lot to do that in the Big Ten or any college football major college football conference, obviously. And then he went and got um, picked up by the Saints after being undrafted. Had a really impressive training camp in preseason, averaged almost four and a half yards a carry, caught nine of ten passes or nine of ten targets in the passing game. He runs with uh, an angry running style, 220 pounds, really kind of fits the Jaguars' mold of what they've been looking for in running backs recently, and I'm happy to have him here. Yes, I mean, it's definitely an exciting guy, and it's it's a little bit different from what we – the running backs that we have, we kind of had – you know, Leonard Fournette and Raquel Armstead are more of kind of bruiser type running back. So it's cool to get a guy with a little bit, you know, a different running style to be That's back. That's how in. I think of him, though, honestly. I do think he's kind of a bruiser. But, um, yeah, who are you most excited about getting in here? Um, I think the most exciting guy with me is uh, when it comes to newcomers, like the guys that we just kind of signed on to the squad. Yeah. Or, like, because – I. I mean, when I was looking through this, I mean, the the new guy on the Jaguars that I'm kind of most excited about is Quincy Williams. Um, I don't know if this is kind of answering your question, but I haven't seen any of Quincy Williams yet. I didn't really see any of his college tape. I haven't been to any training camp practices. I haven't been to any of the, um, you know, uh, he hasn't played in any of the preseason games. So I want to see what this guy's got because we pulled a trigger on him in the third round because, you know, Jaguars received word that there was a team that was kind of wanting to get him in the fourth round, and, you know, they didn't want to lose out on their guys. So uh, I think I think of all the new players on the Jags, Quincy Williams has to be who I'm most excited about. True, yeah. I was looking for one of the guys that got added after the 53-man roster cuts, but that's all good. A lot of people haven't seen Quincy Williams. I'm good with the answer. I'm really excited to see him too, obviously. And now getting into our Jaguars versus Chiefs preview, hot and heavy. This is what it's we'll, all about. That's right. We'll get into the injury report to start it off. Now, the Jaguars didn't practice today, so this was a estimated injury report. 
they're predicting basically who would have played in practice and who would not have. Everybody would have played in practice today except for Cedric Abwehi, offensive tackle. I mentioned he has a hamstring injury. And tight end Josh Oliver, who also has a hamstring injury, he's been dealing with since early in training camp, thanks to Andrew Wingard, actually, who tackled him from behind as he was uh, kind of streaking past him into the end zone for a touchdown. But hopefully Abwehi for sure can get back. Otherwise, the Jaguars are really thin at that offensive tackle, like I mentioned before. Uh, With Josh Oliver, you want him back, but with – the guys that are on the roster, Jeff Swaim and James O'Shaughnessy, you feel okay without having Josh Oliver out there week one. Um, but Laurenti McCray would have been limited with an ankle, DJ Alexander with a hamstring, and Marcel Darius with his elbow. Other than that, it's pretty much a clean bill of health. Nick Foles was on the injury report with an oblique strain, but it's not really a major issue and something the Jaguars aren't worried about at this point. I think the most interesting thing, honestly, is that Marquise Lee would have been a full participant coming off of that knee injury and rehab and all that. It's amazing to me that he looks like he's going to play and start this week. Yeah, that's that's wild to me. I mean, you know, we get such grim news where Doug Marone says, oh, I wouldn't expect Cam Robinson and, you know, Marquise Lee to be back anytime soon. It seemed like they were both back within a week from there. Then – I mean, hell, Cam Robinson played in the third preseason game, which was wild to me. But, you know, we got a good – you know, I, I like the health of our team right now. I mean, this is this is the bright side of not playing anybody in the preseason is that they want this, you know, clean injury sheet, which, you know, all but two got – you know, they didn't lose anybody, through, you know, with season-ending injuries or anything like that, kind of like what you saw around the league a little bit. But, hey, man, hopefully, hopefully, the, hopefully the health continues to stay good because – you know, as bad as the quarterback play was for the Jaguars last year, I think the biggest thing that derailed us was the just how injured our team was getting. Yeah, you're right. Now, the Chiefs are fully healthy. They'll be without starting cornerback Morris Claiborne. He's dealing with a suspension. So that will certainly help the Jaguars' offense in their passing game. Now, taking a look at the matchup history between the two teams a little bit, all-time series is – series is tied at six to six but the Chiefs have won six of the last eight so it hasn't been pretty for the Jaguars as of late uh unfortunately there and uh the Chiefs beat the Jaguars of course as most of you know in Arrowhead by a score of 30 to 14 last season that game that loss kind of sent the Jaguars into a tailspin to finish the season which you know led them to having the seventh overall pick so the Chiefs kind of This should be a game that means a lot to the Jaguars coming off of a disappointing season. And the Chiefs were kind of the team that incited that that landslide of finish to the season for the Jaguars. And and it's also almost a revenge game from six years ago in 2013 where we played in Jacksonville week one. And the two teams that finished the worst in the NFL with the number one and two overall picks both took offensive tackles and they spanked us that game, and uh, let's just hope that this game is a lot better than that game. But, I mean, it's exciting. I mean, both of us, I think, were went to Arrowhead for that game last year, and yep. it, it was just – it it was brutal. And really, I mean, when I look back on the game because I rewatched it yesterday, it the Jaguars really didn't play all that bad. It was just the turnovers that killed us. I mean, um, I think it was like 10 nothing or 13 nothing, you know, toward the end of the first half, and then – Bortles is through one of his worst pick sixes I've ever seen right into the hands of the uh, Chris Jones off of a screenplay, which went back for a touchdown. And then, and then he threw a interception off of AJ Can's helmet within the red zone. And I mean, we, he turned the ball over five total times that game. And then there's really not much else you can do. I mean, Bortles had over 60 passing attempts because Corey Grant got hurt, and of course, Leonard Fournette had already been injured, so you were only down to TJ Yeldon at running back, and I don't want to relive these days, but I mean, it's I, I think the defense actually played pretty well this game, getting two interceptions off Patrick Mahomes, and uh, I'll be I'm excited to see kind of a fresh start and, you know, a, a healthy crew and a new quarterback going into this. Yeah, obviously Nick Foles 
that's the biggest difference here. There's differences a little bit around the team, but that is the biggest difference. Blake Bortles being upgraded to Nick Foles, and he's got to play well, obviously. Uh, I want to start talking about some of the key matchups that we, we're looking forward to. And for me, the key matchups that I think the Jaguars have to win in order to come away with a week one victory against what's probably one of the one or two favorites to go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl in 2019. So my first matchup is a matchup we alluded to already. Jalen Ramsey versus Tyreek Hill. Um, Todd Wash, I don't know if he was just putting some BS out there or, or what, but he gave away the fact that if he is to be believed, Jalen Ramsey will shadow Tyreek Hill, which is not something Ramsey does all the time. A lot of times they stick him on one side and he stays over there. But that's going to be a hell of a matchup. I mean, Tyreek Hill is probably the fastest receiver in football. Jalen Ramsey's got great speed, great physicality, great ball skills. It's going to be a get-your-popcorn-ready type of matchup. Um, obviously, these two did match up somewhat during last year's last year's contest between the two teams, and I wouldn't say either really either really beat the other. Tyreek Hill caught two passes. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, and this is two passes with Jalen Ramsey in coverage, but uh, and Jalen Ramsey. He was able to get a pass defense against him um, early on in the game. And then a lot, Pat Mahomes was not looking Tyreek Hill's way when Jalen Ramsey was on him too often. So that'll be interesting. I obviously don't think Pat Mahomes is going to avoid Tyreek Hill for the entire game. So there's going to be some big time, big time matchups between Hill and Ramsey. And if Ramsey can just kind of hold him in check, I think hold him under 100 yards, not let him get that 70-yard touchdown, 60-yard touchdown, I think he will have done his job. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting when Todd Wash kind of went out and said that too because, I mean, I could see him saying that to kind of throw the Chiefs off, but I, could, I don't know why he would say that if that's what they're really, that's what they're really doing. It's just, it's just weird to put out there. And, I mean, obviously the Chiefs heard it, so – uh, you you've got to think there might be preparing a little bit different based off of uh, off of him saying that, but it, it, it's interesting to me. And this is obviously it's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, I think it's going to be tough for Jalen Ramsey because um, not only is he facing off against Tyreek Hill, but he's also facing off against Patrick Mahomes, who's uh, I think is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And also, I, I noticed that I feel like Jalen Ramsey uh, sometimes when he goes against these like freakishly athletic players and these really speedy guys you know kind of guys like Tyree Kill or Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham Jr. he doesn't he doesn't like do as well as when he goes up against someone who's like as fundamentally good as him like if you were to go up against like a like like a Keenan Allen or DeAndre Hopkins like I feel like you know those matchups a little bit better for him but I mean he's he's speedy as anyone out there and um I and but the, the ball, I mean, just rewatching the game, I mean, the ball, Pedro Holmes just puts the ball in such great places. And I mean, Tyreek Kill can really leave anybody out on uh, out on ice skates out there. But uh, a, a matchup that I'm kind of looking forward to is if we switch the other side of the ball. Um, I want to kind of see our young offensive tackles facing off against Chris Jones. Obviously, Chris Jones was uh, was acquired by the Chiefs through. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, I think they gave up like a first round pick or two for him. And, you know, and they gave him a big new contract. So I think right now our offensive tackles are still an unknown. Obviously, Jawan Taylor's never played an NFL snap, so he's going to have to prove himself. And Cam Robinson's coming off of a pretty big ACL injury after only playing one full game in 2018. So I think, I think that match is going to be fun to watch. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what we have in our tackles because tackle is a very important spot and obviously uh both these guys were second round picks for us and it's going to be really good for the Jaguars if these guys do turn out to be our uh, our cornerstone tackles because they're you know cheap we got them under contract for a few more years and um that that's a matchup that I'll be looking forward to yeah that's going to be fun for sure I think Nick Foles is going to be looking a lot at that matchup too because uh he's going to be the one having to avoid those edge rushers and and that, that pressure up the middle from Chris Jones. 
if the Jaguars offensive line isn't able to hold up as well as they'd like. I'm also looking at um, the Jaguars defensive line versus, and specifically their edge rush versus the Chiefs pass protection. Mitchell Swartz over on the right side for the Chiefs is as solid as they come at right tackle. But you mentioned Eric Fisher earlier, the the uh, Chiefs' first overall pick back from 2012 or 2013. Um, he has had an up and down career. Last year, he gave up a lot of pressure. He was heavily penalized. He surrendered 48 pressures and picked up nine penalties last year. So he's a guy that I think Unique Ngakwe and Josh Allen have got to be able to win their matchups with and get get in Pat Mahomes' face quickly. And I think that they should be able to do that. I don't know if they're going to be able to beat Mitchell Swartz up on the other side too much, but I do believe they should be able to take advantage of Eric Fisher. Yeah, I mean, and if, you, if you're going to let Patrick Holmes kind of sit back in the pocket and, you know, wait his time to throw it, I mean – he's going to be able to find somebody open or he's going to be able to run the ball really well because he's very good at that too. And it's, you know, if you don't have a pass just against the Chiefs, you're probably not going to win that game. But we got obviously one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. So uh, I'm not I'm not too worried about that end of it. But a, a big thing that I'm also um, looking forward to is we were kind of talking about it earlier, but, you know, what are, how, what are we going to do with Travis Kelsey? You know, we're going to have a bunch of different guys covering him. Uh, usually the Jaguars play more of a cover three um, a type of system, but with with him, with Todd Wash, if we actually are having Jane the Ramsey shadow Tyree killed, and we're probably going to be doing, you know, a lot more man coverages. So, um, you know, what's going to be the best matchup for him? Is it going to be, you know, a, a, a good linebacker like Miles Jack, or is Ronnie Harrison going to get up there and, you know, push him around a little bit? I'm, uh, I'm fascinated to see uh, what the what the matchup is going to be this game. Yeah, and then again, switching sides of the ball. I think Kendall Fuller, he's a very good cornerback, primarily plays the slot. I think he's going to be matched up with D.D. Westbrook a lot. I think they're going to trade blows in that matchup because Westbrook's great, Fuller's great. That's going to be a hell of a matchup. But I'm more concerned with Chris Conley, D.J. Chark, and Marquise Lee against Charvarius Ward and Bashad Breland, who are the other two starting cornerbacks for the Chiefs. The Jaguars second, third, and fourth receiver, Conley, Chark, and Lee, whichever order it ends up being in, they have got to be able to take advantage of Ward and Breland, who neither of those guys inspires a lot of confidence. And if they're not able to take advantage of those two cornerbacks, I think it could end up spelling disaster for the Jaguars' offense. Because I think Conley and and uh, Foles – they are very smart players. They're going to know that they need to attack these guys. They're going to know where to attack. I think Foles is going to target these guys when they're matched up with Ward and Breland, and if they're not able to win their matchups, that's going to be a big-time issue for the Jaguars' offense. Yeah, we just we just need somebody to emerge as a, another good wide receiver. Because, I mean, we have all of our guys in there. Obviously, we know D.D. Westbrook's good, but – Nobody else is very proven. I mean, and as much as we can say, oh, I think DJ Chark's going to have a breakout year. Oh, I think Keelan Cole is going to come back strong this year. Like, we don't know that. All, all that is speculation. And nobody feels comfortable saying that, okay, I know this guy can do good things. Because, I mean, even with Chris Conley, I mean, as much as we'd like to say, oh, this guy's going to, you know, this guy's in a great system and everything. He literally just came over from the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are probably – you know, if there's any place that you're going to be, you know, that you're going to be great in a passing game, they're going to use you for your strength. It's going to be the Chiefs. And they didn't really do it all that much, even though Andy Reid did have, you know, nothing but good things to say about uh, Chris Conley lately. So, I mean, maybe John D. Filippo's system's better for him than Andy Reid's. But, I mean, I, I, just, hope, I just hope somebody can emerge because, uh, you know, last year was this kind of tough scene, our, our wide receiver game. Yeah, I feel con confident in Conley as a whole just from watching him this summer, watching a lot of his tape from the Chiefs last year. I don't think he's going to be the Jaguars' savior at receiver or anything like that, but I do think he's a guy that can be a competent starter, and I think that's all the Jaguars need him to be. And, of course, if Chark is able to make an impact, that could really open things up down the field 
And if Marquise Lee can be his usual self, you know, very reliable third down target, that can help the Jaguars out a lot as well. And they're going to have advantages against Charvarius Ward and Brashad Breland. They got to, they got to capitalize on that. And, and if anything is going in DJ Chark's, you know, favor is that he had his best game statistically in 2018 against the Chiefs. He had a couple of nice long balls. So uh, I hope, you know, I hope we can kind of go back to that in a way. Yeah, this is a Chiefs defense. It did see a lot of turnover in the offseason in terms of uh, adding Teron Matthew, adding Frank Clark. They lost Justin Houston. They lost D Ford. They obviously added um, uh, Juan Thornhill, who's a very talented safety out of Virginia. I think that... I think that the Jaguars offense has more overall talent than the Chiefs defense, and we're going to be putting that to the test. It's obviously the biggest matchup here, though, is the Jaguars defense versus the Chiefs offense, in my opinion. I just think if the Jaguars defense can hold the Chiefs under 24 points, the Jaguars offense is going to have a shot. Yeah, and you can definitely tell that, you know, after what happened with the Patriots last year where they just got gutted in the run game, it, it does sound like they tried to bring in some guys to help out with that run defense, you know, bringing in, uh, you know, Frank Clark and obviously, you know, Tyron Matthews is kind of a, you know, a rover around the ball and he can really help out and run support. So it, it's really, I mean, they're going against a completely different defense because they're, they, they changed from a 3-4 to a 4-3 and usually you see teams doing it the other way around. Um but this game, this game's gonna be fascinating. Another matchup we didn't really talk about is how about how about former Eagles head coach, um, you know Andy Reid against Nick Foles. I mean, he Andy Reid paved a lot of the way for Nick Foles' career. I mean, he drafted him over for the Eagles, but then he convinced him to kind of not go into retirement and go to the Chiefs after being cut by the Rams and. I mean, if there's anybody that knows Nick Foles, you know, the two coaches that probably know him best are are Andy Reid and Doug Peterson, and they're they're playing against the, you know, against the top guy this weekend. Yeah, I would say John DeFilippo knows him pretty well, too. So yeah, that's true. Now, we're going to predict each and every one of the Jaguars games here. We'll go ahead and jump right into it to round out our Jaguars versus Chiefs preview with, you know, week one, Jaguars versus Chiefs. Are the Jaguars going to start out 1-0 and or 0-1? What's it going to be, Dalton? So just a disclaimer, I always, always hate these exercises because I, try, because I want to be someone that says, oh, win, 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 win every game. And sometimes it's hard to predict, you know, like last year where we played the Redskins way later in the season. You know, you thought it was going to be, you know, Blake Bortles versus, you know, Case Keenum or whoever the hell. It, no, they didn't have Case Keenum. Who did they have last year at quarterback to start the year? Um, who was that? Sorry. Who, who, did the, who did the Redskins march out as quarterback to begin? Alex Smith, yeah. But then it turns out to not be Bortles versus Alex Smith. It turns out to be Cody Kessler versus Josh Johnson. And, you know, neither team has their starting running backs. But, you know, for the sake of, for the, sake of the pod, and a lot of, know a lot of people like these, I'll, I'll go ahead and do this. But week one against the Chiefs, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us a loss here. I think it's uh, – I think Chiefs are going to be representing the AFC in this Super Bowl. And, I mean, they, they start off their seasons really hot. Um, a couple of years ago, they started off, you know, in 2016, I think they started like 7-2. and two. Um, Last year, they started off the season like 8-0. And, oh, and they, just, they just always start off the season really hot. So, I'll, I'll, take us, I'll take us with the L against the Chiefs. I very much respect your opinion, but I'll have to disagree. It's going to be hot, looking like it's going to be in the mid-90s. Uh, I think that plays into the advantage of the Jaguars. I think the fact that the Chiefs defense has not been able to play a game together yet under a new system, changing to the 4-3, is really going to benefit the Jaguars. I do believe the Chiefs defense will come together down the road. And like you said, I, I very well think the Chiefs could be representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. But I don't think it's going to be perfect to start the season. I think they're going to be a team that finishes really hot. Um, the Jaguars, they've been pretty good in home openers lately. Um, Doug Marone is 3-1 and one in season openers as a head coach. 
I think the Jaguars' defense has enough to slow down Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense just enough. And I think getting an early lead will be key for Nick Foles and the Jaguars' offense. If they're able to get an early lead, they should be able to run the ball and then force Pat Mahomes to throw the ball and perhaps get into some situations that he's not too excited about and, you know, potentially create some turnovers, which is what the Jaguars' defense does best. Doing that and getting after the passer is what they did best in 2017. They'll look to repeat that, and I think it'll start off in a big way week one. Give the Jaguars a win against the Chiefs. So moving into week two, I have the Jaguars at 1-0. Dalton's got them at 0-1. What do you have in week two at the Texans? I'll give us a win against the Texans. I mean, Bill O'Brien a few days ago just went all-out panic slash win-now mode. And, I mean, when you're a coach that's been there as long as he has and, you know, he's kind of could be on his last season. I mean, he wants to do what's best for the team to kind of win now. And, you know, he goes out and trades uh, Jadavion Clowney for a few different kind of mediocre defensive players that then – he goes out and, you know, trades for Laramie Tunsil, and they kind of mortgage a future with that pick with uh, with trading them, you know, two first-round picks, and they also got Kenny Stills in return. And, I mean, I, I look at that situation. I mean, uh, just a side note, I feel like Laramie Tunsil is going to have so much leverage against the Texans because to get really whatever contract he wants because they, they legitimately mortgage their future with him. They traded two first-round picks for him. Um, but with this, I just feel like the Jacks are going to be – be able to do exactly what they do best and just run it up this team's throat because, you know, besides J.J. Watt, they just have a bunch of kind of aged defensive players. And, um, you know, now, you know, with Clowney out of there, that makes it, you know, that much easier. And I just – I feel like this could be a game where the Jaguars just, just dominate the Texans. And that would be a sight to see. I, I see it the other way. I see the Texans winning at home. It's harder to win on the road in the division – the Jaguars have struggled at Houston a lot, obviously outside of that 2017 massacre of the Texans to start the season. They haven't really played all that well in Houston. And I think um, Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, with a little bit of more time you know, to throw the football thanks to the addition of Laramie Tunsil, I think that they're going to get it done against the Jaguars in week two. Mostly I'm picking the Texans in this one because it's at Houston. All right, so this next game at home, we have a Thursday night football matchup. The annual Jaguars versus Texans Thursday night game. which Titans. Or Titans, yeah, sorry. Um, which I, I, don't, I don't know if the NFL realizes that they can schedule, you know, other teams but the Titans for the Jaguars to play on Thursday night and – I don't know why they do it just because it always just turns out to be a crap game. But maybe putting this at the first quarter of the season instead of December, uh, we'll get a little different, a little better of a game. But who, who do you have winning this one? Jaguars over the Titans to advance to 2-1. and one. I believe the Jaguars are going to be too much for the Titans without, um, without Taylor Lewan, who's suspended for the first four weeks of the season. They also just lost their kicker today. I believe that the Titans are not going to be a great football team and the Jaguars are going to be able to take advantage of their offensive line in a big way. So with, with me, this game, I mean, can we just, can we just finally beat this damn team? I'm so tired of getting swept by the, by the Titans and two straight with this, years. two straight years of sweeps. And it's just Titans are like my least favorite NFL team right now. They just have such obnoxious fans, but, I mean, with this game, until the Jaguars beat the Titans, I can't pick us to beat the Titans. So, um, I'll unfortunately have us taking a loss here and moving to one and two. All right. Moving into week four at Denver. You going to be at that game? I will be at this game. I will so be as pumped. well. You will be too? We always, follow, we always follow each other around these away games. Last year, we were both in uh, New York. and We were both in Kansas City. Now, we're going to be both up, up in Mile High. They just changed their stadium name today. Uh, it's oh, super long. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. So, um, what is it? Um, it's it's something really long. Like it, it's it's some company I never heard of at Mile High Stadium. I mean, if you if you thought TIAA Bank Field 
was a lot of syllables. I mean, this one, this one definitely beats it. <laughs> All right. So I have the Jaguars beating the Broncos, even though it's September. The Broncos are very good at home in September, but I just don't see it with this team. I don't think they're particularly strong in any area besides their pass rush with Chubb and Miller, obviously. But outside of that, I just don't think they're overall that impressive. I think the Jaguars are a better football team, and they're going to show it. So, uh, stadium update. Their name is Empower Empower Today Field at Mile High Stadium. So, all right, <laughs> that's a little bit of a mouthful, but yeah, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have the Jaguars winning this one. Um, I feel like our defensive line is gonna be able to dominate their their offensive line they have going on over there. Obviously, Joe Flacco's over there at quarterback, and uh, last time the Jaguars faced Joe Flacco with this defense. Um, we the our offense scored more points than Joe Flacco had passing yards. So I'm going to I'm going to get the Jaguars to take the dub here. Yeah, I'm with you. So through a quarter of the season, as Doug Marone likes to refer to it, I have the Jaguars at three and one. You have the Jaguars at two and two. Yes, sir. All right. So week five at Carolina. What you got? At Carolina. Uh, it, usually the Jaguars against NFC opponents, they don't really do that well. I mean, they I think if usually, I mean, usually we go about one and three, one and three against the NFC. Um, with with us facing off the Panthers at Carolina, I think the Panthers are actually going to be a have a bounce back year, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll have us losing to the Panthers. I have the Jaguars losing to the Panthers as well. I think the Panthers have a dynamic offense. I think they have a defense that's going to rebound this year. I just think that traveling on the road after you just faced Denver um, back-to-back road games, it's going to be a tough one against a really tough team that's going to be battle-tested in the NFC South. I'll take the Panthers in that one. So I have the Jaguars falling to three and two. You have them following, falling to two and three. Yes, sir. So, so next game, we're going back home. Week six against the New Orleans Saints and their high-powered offense. Oh, who do you have one in this one? Another L, another NFC South opponent. I think that the Jaguars are going to lose two straight against the NFC South here. I could see the fact that it's outside being a benefit for the Jaguars. Drew Brees is much more effective inside the Dome. But I think the Saints have a, a very talented defense, a very talented offense. Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. I think it's going to be a little bit too much. Yeah, and I kind of agree with you here. I just, I just can't. I just, this is one game I just can't see the Jaguars winning. I mean, I don't, I don't see how they're going to be able to kind of keep up with scoring against the other team. And I mean, I think that you know Sean Payne's such an excellent football mind, and Drew Brees is also, you know, you know, off, almost an offensive coordinator of his own team. So I'll have the Jaguars, unfortunately, dropping the two and four. Yep, so you got them at two and four. I got them at three and three. Moving into week seven at Cincinnati. This is going to be a big win for the Jaguars. Uh, The Bengals, I think, are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. I don't think their defense is impressive. I don't think their offense is overly impressive. Don't know when A.J. Green is going to be back. I see this going very well for the Jaguars. I think they're going to be able to get after the Bengals quarterback. I think that they're going to be able to handle their business on the offensive side of the ball, and it could be one of those 2017-type games that we remember where the Jaguars just smack their opponent in the mouth. Is that, is that a pun against uh, A.J. Green punching Jalen Ramsey in the mouth? or Unintentional, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with this one, man, I, I think Bengals are one of the worst teams in the NFL, but – the Bengals are one of those teams where it's like the Dolphins. It seems like, it seems like so many times they just don't have a very good team, but they don't lose enough games to get like a good top five draft pick. Um, I think this year they're going to be in contention too, um, because they've got to upgrade a quarterback. Man, I mean this they've been hanging on to Andy Dalton for way too long. You know they got to look into getting like a Herbert, a Jake Fromm, Tua Tonga Viola, and yeah, I've I've got the Jaguars winning big here, and I've got them moving on to three and four. All right. Three and four for Dalton, four and three for me. 
Now, the Jaguars return home in week eight to take on the Jets. I do think the Jets are going to be much improved this year, but I don't think they're going to be good enough to beat the Jaguars just yet. I think that the Jaguars are more experienced than the Jets, still a little bit more talented than the Jets, and I think they're going to be able to get that game done. Uh, I won't say it'll be a blowout, but I don't think that'll be a particularly close game, and I, I think that'll get the Jaguars to five and three. Yeah, I, I think the Jaguars are going to win this one. I've got Le'Veon Bell in a couple my fantasy league, so I'm just hoping for a bunch of five-yard receptions from him. You know, give me that, give me that point and a half. But, uh, yeah, w- with this one, man, I, the Jets are an interesting team because uh, because right now it's, it's almost like with the AFC East, it's like the Patriots at the top, Dolphins at the very bottom, and like right in the middle, it's like, you know, who's going to be who's going to be the better of the teams, the Bills or the Jets? They've got a lot of parallels in this. Obviously, we're the only team in the AFC South to face the Jets because of where we finished in the AFC AFC South. But you know, luckily we don't have to face off against the Patriots. Good luck with that one, Texans. And yeah, I'll have us I'll have us winning this moving on to four and four. All right. So at the halfway point, I've got them at five and three. You've got them at four and four. I think both predictions are pretty damn fair. And the only real difference here we have is. Um, obviously week one and week two. I have them winning week one and you have them winning week two. And then you also have them losing to the Titans in week three. But we're, we're pretty much on the same page here so far. Now getting into week nine, that's the Jaguars annual trip over to London. They'll be hosting the Texans. And I have them getting a W in London. The Texans have never traveled to London, whereas the Jaguars are very well experienced at that. Uh, Nick Foles made the trip with the Eagles last year, although he did not start. So he has made the trip. He does know what it takes to prepare for the game. Um, I think that the Jaguars will be able to take advantage of the Texans in a more familiar environment. The Jaguars are going to be feeling themselves a little bit after two straight wins. I think the Texans may implode at some point this season, and I think the Jaguars are going to get it done against them to pull to six and three after nine weeks yeah with this one I mean I first of all I love this London game I, I love the 9 30 a.m kickoff because we're all by ourselves on the schedule this game and um it's it, it's just so cool being able to watch the 9 30 game then watch the one o'clock the 4 30s the the night game I just think it's such a, a cool slot for the Jaguars BM and they they generally play pretty well in London um, of course, last year we lost to the Eagles, but we were just we were just a bad team last year. And I mean, with this one, I've got the Jaguars sweeping the Texans, and we're going to move on to five and four. All right, good stuff. The Jaguars have a bye week after that, then they travel to Indy. What you got going on there? Um, with Indy, I mean, Andrew Luck's not there anymore. And when we played Jacoby Brissett in 2017, man, we made him look lost out there. I mean, we got 10 sacks on him one game. He holds onto the ball too long. He's a little bit gun shy. Um, and, you know, obviously with how good our pass coverage is, it's going to be it's gonna be a tough game for Jacoby Brissett. Of course, he's gotten a lot better since then. Just being in the, you know, being on the, in the system for a couple of years, being with the Colts for a couple of years, like he was kind of thrown into it in 2017 where he was quickly traded from the Patriots at the end of the preseason. Then he got, you know, pretty much he got playing time literally in his first game. So um, he's going to be an improved quarterback, but I just think him playing against his defense, is going to be, it's going to be really tough for him. And it's going to be interesting to see how they develop their identity. I would think their identity is going to be set through, you know, their great offensive line and a run game. So, um, and hopefully that they're going to hope that sets up the pass for them. But yeah, I've got, I've got the Jaguars beating the Colts. Yeah, I think the Colts are going to be competitive in a lot of games, but I don't really see them being that competitive against the Jaguars for the reasons you mentioned. I mean, the Jaguars' defensive front is very good. Obviously, the Colts do have a good offensive line, but I think the Jaguars' secondary is ahead of where the Colts' passing attack is going to be. And I I don't buy into the fact that the Colts' defense can be as good without Andrew Luck guiding the offense. I think he helped out the defense quite a bit last year. So I have the Jaguars taking this one, improving to 7-3 and three after 11 weeks. Um, and you have them at 6-4, and four, is that correct? Yeah, man. So we got back-to-back away divisional games as we – 
you know, go from Indianapolis over to Nashville, Tennessee, and face off against the dreaded Titans. So who do you have winning this one? I have the Titans winning this one. I, I cannot pick the Jaguars to sweep the Titans as much as I would like to. I just think the Titans, they have a nice recipe. They'll have Taylor Lewan back. Maybe uh, Ryan Tannehill will be taking the snaps at this point. Derrick Henry's going to be back there. He gives the Jaguars fits. I just don't think the Jaguars can beat the Titans twice in one season. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, man, I, I can't pick the Jaguars to beat the Titans until I actually see it. Um, unlucky for the Titans that they don't have their, um, you know, they don't have their star player and Blake Bortles helping them out because Blake Bortles has had some horrible games against the Titans the last uh, last couple seasons, but. Uh, yeah it's just it's whatever for whatever reason it's a tough matchup always for the Jaguars and I've got us dropping this one yeah I could see the Jaguars sweeping them this year and just really uh getting off the snide with that and getting that big monkey off their back but it's way too early to predict that the Titans have just had their number for so long and then in week 13 the Jaguars or they travel back home They'll be at home for the first time since week eight because week nine is Texans in London. Then you got the bye week, then two straight road games. So they will have quite a, quite a lengthy journey away from home there, but they'll take on the Buccaneers in week 13. I think the Bucs will have an improved offense with Bruce Arians uh, calling the shots there. I just still think Jameis Winston makes too many mistakes and their defense isn't quite ready to contend. So I'll have the Jaguars beating the Buccaneers at home. Yeah, I think the Buccaneers are one of the more fascinating teams in the NFL this year just because of the acquisition of Bruce Arians. I mean, Bruce Arians can turn crap into an NFC championship team, what they did with kind of the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, the guy's the guy's just a hell of a coach. And, you know, they've got good coordinators around him with Byron Lethwich and with Todd Bowles over there. And I, I just think that I think that their coaching staff is in is in a good place and you know, I mean, last year, I mean, I can't believe they passed up on um, on Derwin James to get that, you know, that defensive tackle that they got, I think, out of Notre Dame. But um, with this, I'll tell you the Jaguars win it, beating them just because I think Jameis throwing against our defense is sketchy and the guy just kind of throws interceptions in bunches and he get, kind of gets rattled easy. And I think if the Jaguars can hit him around a little bit, um, that they'll that they'll kind of get them disrupted. So I'll take the Jaguars beating the Bucks. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. I think the Jaguars are going to be able to get after him, force some turnovers, and that one. I have them at eight and four. There, where do you have them? I have them at seven and five. Seven and five. All right. So moving so, on, man. We've got our uh, we've got a matchup here that it seems like an annual matchup, even though it really shouldn't be. I think I think like. It's something ridiculous with us playing the Chargers. I think we played the Chargers like eight out of the last like nine seasons. And I mean, we're really only scheduled to play this team once every three years, the way the um, the way the AFC schedule works. But I mean, if you, you know, like this year out of the AFC East, we play the Jets and out of the AFC North, we play the Bengals just because each team finished fourth place in their respective divisions. And it, it seems like we always line up with the Chargers like that. And the Jaguars usually struggle against the Chargers. I mean, the the first time we actually beat Phillip Rivers was in 2017 off of that that crazy overtime game where Bortles threw a couple really bad interceptions and um, A.J. Boye kind of got that interception in overtime to get that, you know, Josh Lambeau alley-oop <laughs> kick into the, into the field goal nets to win that game against his former team. But, you know, that was one of the more exciting games I've really ever seen at the stadium. But um, with this one, man, the Chargers – are one of the best teams in the in the ASC. But, I mean, we'll see how they're – it seems like this is a team that's always getting injured. Um, obviously, Boza gets injured a lot. Derwin James, most likely, it looks like he's going to be out this game. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens with, with Melvin Gordon. But I'll, I'll, I'll choose us to drop this one. Yeah, I'm on the same boat with you. I think Phillip Rivers – He's going to remember what happened in 2017. I don't think he's going to be happy about it. They're a very complete team. Top to bottom, they've got a lot of talent. I could see the Jaguars getting this one, but I'm going to predict a loss here. 
So they'll drop to eight and five on my count, seven and six for you. That means they're going to have to have a very strong run to, uh, to get back into the playoff contention here for you. They travel to Oakland the following week. What do you have going on there? Um, with the with the travel to Oakland, man, this is um. I'm glad we don't play this game of the first quarter of the season in Oakland, just because you know they're playing in the Oakland A's baseball stadium and they got that freaking baseball diamond out there of dirt. So you know it kind of helps us out with uh, you know player safety. But I mean, I don't think the Raiders going to be that good at all. And kind of watching Hard Knocks makes me kind of reassure that opinion about them, just because I see them a lot little disorganized and. Just all the Antonio Brown drama is just – it's just crazy with that guy. But, yeah, I've got I'll, – I'll choose the Jaguars win this one just because, uh, you know, this is kind of a repetitive thing with theme with me. But, you know, just I don't trust their O-line versus our D-line. I just think that we're going to be able to dominate. Um, I don't really believe in Derek Carl that much. And, you know, especially if you hit him around, he doesn't, you know, do as well. But, yeah, I think this is a – you know, they're obviously a younger team kind of set for the future – how they kind of stashed a lot of draft picks. So I'm going to choose the Jaguars and win this one. I am as well. The Jaguars do traditionally struggle heading out West, but out of all the teams that they do have to face out West, they've done the best against the Raiders in Oakland, you know, versus Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles. They've done the best traveling to Oakland. And I think that'll continue here. I don't think the Raiders have it figured out quite yet, and I think they're going to grow to regret passing on Josh Allen in favor of Clellan Furl uh, out of Clemson. And I think Josh Allen is probably going to make his mark a little bit in this game, along with Unique Ngakwe and Calais Campbell. And I don't feel super confident in the Raiders' defense just yet. So I think I'm going to take the Jaguars here to get to 9-5. and five. Yeah, I mean, shout out to Mike Mayhawk for passing up on Josh Allen. I mean, that was that was a real head scratcher when that happened. I, I was at TIAA Bank, you know, in, in Daly's place for that, and it was just it was just a riot. But the Jaguars are going to have back to back away games. They're going to travel kind of close to home over in Atlanta, face on the Falcons. What do you have going on this game? Got them picking up an L, so I have them going one and three against the NFC South. The Falcons are a really talented football team. Matt Ryan's an underrated quarterback. Julio Jones is arguably the best receiver in football. They've got Devonta Freeman. They've got a nice offensive line. They've got enough talent on defense to get the job done. And they're playing at home in the Dome. I have the Jaguars taking an L to fall to 9-6. and six. Yeah, I've got I've got the same thing going on. The Jaguars once again go 1-3 against the NFC South. And... You know, with these with these good offenses that they're playing, like the Saints and the Falcons, like it, it's not that I worry that our defense is going to struggle against them. I'm just I'm just more worried that our offense is going to be able to you know win the shootouts, just because I mean, you look at those teams and it's just their their offensive talent just way overloads what the Jaguars have on offense. I mean, the Jaguars have some players that can turn into something, but just the amount of proven players on these other teams, it's just you know it's it's just a big mismatch. So. Um, I'll have I'll have the Jaguars losing this one and dropping to eight and seven. Eight and seven. So week seventeen versus the Colts seems like we always wrap up the season against Indianapolis. This time it's at home. I have this being a big win to get the Jaguars to ten and six. We talked about this matchup already. If I have the Jaguars beating the Colts in Indy, I definitely have them beating the Colts at home, especially for a vital uh, playoff positioning there to get to ten and six. You have the Jaguars at eight and seven entering this game. What do you have going on in the season finale? Well, I mean, when I was doing a record prediction a few weeks ago, I actually had the Jaguars, you know, splitting games with the Colts. But I mean, with Jacoby Brissett back in there, I mean, it's just it, it, as good as Jacoby Brissett might be for, you know, really a backup quarterback that he was. I mean, he's not Andrew Luck. I mean, Andrew Luck is an elite quarterback and, it's it, they're gonna. This team's gonna have a big drop off from Andrew Luck. I think they lose three or four more games because of that. And um, I think the Jaguars are gonna be hungry this game. They're gonna be focused. Hopefully, we're healthy. I mean, it's so hard to predict this game. You know, all the way in January, all the way in 2020. But yeah, let me get the Jaguars to win this one and go to nine and seven. So does nine and seven get them into the playoffs? 
not not in the wild card spot, I don't think. But I mean, with the way the AFC South is looking, I mean, what are the Titans going to be? What are the what are the Texans going to be? I mean, I think I think nine and seven could potentially win this division. All right, yeah. At ten and six, I have the Jaguars winning the division. Like you, I don't think that any of the other teams are really shaping up to have massive success. I, I suppose the Texans could get hot again. Deshaun Watson's got a hell of an arm. I don't see the Titans being that strong outside of the division. So, yeah, I think the Jaguars are going to get it done in the division this year. There you go. I said it. Ten and six, Jaguars division champions. That's my official prediction entering week one of the regular season. So, if you have to say, does 9-7 and seven win the division for the Jaguars? Yes, 9-7 and seven wins the division for the Jaguars. We're going, we're going to playoffs, baby. We are hosting another playoff game. Hopefully we get the Bills again. That will be a fun little matchup. But, um, I mean, let's, let's bring playoff football back to, back to the bank, man. That was one of the best days of my life, and especially if you're a young Jaguar fan like, you know, like us two are. We, we just haven't had – a lot of that. I mean, in 1999, I was six years old and right. it was, it, it's just so cool seeing the stadium packed after, you know, I've gone to mostly just crap games at the, at the bank. And, you know, just in 2017, seeing the, you know, seeing these games, like, you know, the Seahawks game, that was just, that was just incredible. And, you know, the bills in the playoffs, I mean, that, those, those were a couple of the best really moments of my life. And I need, I need that back. I'm with you. Uh, obviously, that Bills game was so exciting. The finish with Jalen Ramsey getting that pick, that was just – that was what dreams are made of as, as somebody who covers the Jaguars, so exciting to write about, and as a lifelong fan, it's awesome. So, yeah, I'm totally with you there. And honestly, when you, when you look at the Jaguars season coming up, a lot of it will hinge on health, which every team can say that. Um, I think that the range really for the Jaguars in terms of wins and losses, I think they could finish as bad as seven and nine. I don't really see them finishing worse than that just because I think they're too balanced. I think Nick Foles isn't that Nick Foles isn't bad enough to lose you a lot of games and the Jaguars don't need him to win them a lot of games. Blake Bortles was losing the team games last year. If Nick Foles can just not lose the games, I think that they're going to be in good shape. But I would say seven and nine would be my floor. And then I could honestly see them going 11 and five or 12 and four if things really go right on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would probably say the floor is six and 10 just because, you know, the past like decade, the Jaguars have had what, eight or nine double digit loss seasons. So, you know, until they can consistently start, you know, putting together back-to-back winning seasons. I mean, I've got to put our floor at, you know, double-digit losses. But, you know, with with our ceiling, I mean, you know, like you said, man, I mean, we've got if, – if everything falls in place, I mean, I think our offensive line, if they play up to their potential, can be one of the best units in the NFL. And obviously, if, you know, Fournette, we all know what he did in college, and hopefully he can, tra- you know, keep translating that into the pros and, you know – and our defense can play great. I mean, that's the formula that we got in 2017 and we were 10 and six and onto the AFC championship game. And that's not even to mention that we have, you know, a better quarterback under center and, you know, the, I mean, the receiving core may not be, may not be better, but you know, it's probably about on par with what it was back then. And I mean, let's freaking win the Super Bowl, man. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> I'm down. Yeah. I'm down. To, I'm down for it. There's a long way to go before that, obviously. But yeah, I have them at ten and six. Dalton has them at nine and seven. We both think that the those records, respectively, are good enough to get the division championship. So winning an AFC South title that would just be fantastic for the second time in three years. That's going to pretty much do it for the show. I'd like to invite everybody out on Saturday to Brewhound out in Atlantic Beach. We're going to be set up with a back-to-football pop-up shop with Threat Supply, OMG Jewelry, several other local vendors. Uh, going to be a lot of fun. You can check our Instagram, our Facebook, Twitter to get some more information about that. But that's going to be at Brewhound on Saturday from 9 a.m. 
to 1 p.m. Really excited about that. Uh, thanks, of course, to Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jack podcast. Find them online at boldcitybrewery.com. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And make sure to go get some of their teal seltzer that we helped produce called Wobbly Water down at their East Bay Street uh, location or at their Riverside Tap Room in Roselle, or on Roselle, excuse me. And of course, got to remind you once again, join us this Sunday at 9 a.m. in Tailgaters Parking Row A. Come say what up. You can talk some smack. Enjoy some chicken biscuits from Metro Diner, brews from Bolt City Brewery, Green Room and Bricks, and of course, vodka from Carve Craft Vodka. All of that is free for Gen Jag members. You can sign up at genjag.com. And thanks for listening. Make sure to follow UCF Jaguar on Twitter and subscribe to his channel on YouTube. He's on Twitter at UCF underscore Jaguar. You can follow myself at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. You can follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar and on Twitter at Generation Jag. Have a great weekend, Duval. Enjoy the game. Go Jags. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.